0: about this message and there's so much information and even within the notes, even though there are a lot of notes, there's way more information than what is in the notes and I want to give some background on why I'm preaching this message today called, What Does Business Have to Do with the Church? Now, you might be sitting here and you might be thinking and wondering, um, what does business have to do with the church and why would he be discussing it on Sunday morning? Well, what I know is within the church world, too frequently, people will visit a church, come to a church, sit in a church, be a part of a church or congregation, and they'll be a part of it, and they get a little offended or bothered by the fact that, someone, that the preacher talks about money. What I've found over the years, over 33 years of ministry, what I've discovered and what i found personally is that most people that have a problem with a preacher talking about money is because he doesn't talk about it enough. <clears throat> See, too little information, too little teaching leads to confusion and misunderstanding. So it's important that if And I understand this. Let me back up. I understand that if someone visits a church and then they don't ever understand why the preacher is receiving tithe and offering. They don't ever understand why the preacher is talking about wealth. They never understand why. And they have this idea in their mind that the kingdom of God should not involve uh, talk about money. If they have this idea in their mind, most of the times they have this idea again because of lack of teaching. And if they don't understand why, because of lack of teaching, people will come to their own conclusions. And it will, their conclusions that they come to most often will be the incorrect conclusion. Now, people have said, Whether it's true or not, I think it depends on the perspective that you look at it. But through Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, it has been said that Jesus talked about money more than He did any other subject in Scripture. If you take it at face value, that's true. But He didn't talk about money the way that we think He talked about money more than anything else in Scripture. He talked about relationship with the Father more than anything. But He used money as a reference point for how people are led away from the Father. He used... Ill-formed relationships, being joined to the wrong people as a reference point. He used many different reference points. So while it's true that at face value he talked about money more than he did anything else in Scripture, what's more true is that what he talked about was relationship and the right way to have it. And then he also talked so much about the need for an ever-increasing kingdom. And in the conversations that he had about an ever increasing kingdom part of those conversations always included how that kingdom was going to increase. And part of those conversations was that faith alone won't do it. I'll show you this morning. But see even now, it's probably true, and if you're watching online or in your here. just stay tuned in. Don't tune me out because you're hearing something that maybe you haven't heard before or that's uncomfortable to you. It is often true that the things that are very uncomfortable to us, in fact, it is always true. I'm going to say it this way. It is always true that the things that we hear that bring us discomfort are the things that we will consider the most even if only for a moment. And without consideration... Change never happens. Never. It is important that if we're believers that we take the time to consider whatever it is that is set before us. In fact, before diving into what I have here, let's consider the Second Testament. Let's consider the Gospels. Let's consider for a moment the ministry of Christ. He brought His Gospel He brought the gospel of the Father. He brought the gospel of an ever-increasing kingdom into a world who had a completely misunderstood understanding of what the gospel is. They were looking for one thing, and yet another showed up. By not considering who showed up, that he might be, The Messiah by not considering that they doomed themselves to ignoring the very salvation that was sent to save them I wonder how often within the church world that we do this with regards to money with regards to business with regards to how that it operates and functions in the church I'm going to say this this morning Is that there's nobody under the sound of my voice that has ever, ever been able to say with honesty, if you're in poverty, that you love it? I love poverty. can't wait to have less. (laughs) Although I will say there are many who at least in some way seem to love poverty if only because if the Only reason I could come to that conclusion is because whenever they get something, they can't wait to spend it all, so they have nothing left. I got a hundred bucks. What can I buy with a hundred bucks? In poverty, suddenly given an opportunity to come out of poverty. I know a hundred bucks won't do it. You get the principle. I'm going to spend it all because I want to get back to zero. Are you tracking with me this morning? I don't know about you. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm just not educated enough. Maybe I don't know enough about the Bible. Maybe I don't know God well enough. Maybe I shouldn't be standing in this pulpit. But this is what I believe. I just can't accept That it was God's plan for his sons and his daughters to always exist in zero. And that's all I have for today, and we're going to pick this up. (laughs) I just don't believe that that was his plan. Now, I do believe that there are people, in fact, there are people under the sound of my voice, whether in this room or watching online right now, you don't even know what zero, zero would be wealthy to you because you've had a hyphen in front of your number for so long. (laughs) I'm stepping on a few toes. I look up to see zero, some might say. Is this the plan of God? I know that there are many faiths, many denominations, many teachings that teach and make us feel comfortable in poverty, make the church feel comfortable in lack. I'm against expecting of one what you do not expect of yourself. The denominations that Make their believers feel the less you have, the more you honor God. Oh man, I mean, I don't even begin to name them. I don't need to begin to name them. Some of you came from them. I've sat among many people that are very uncomfortable with success. If I'm successful, then it brings glory to me. Does it? If you don't speak of it correctly, it does. Right. That's right. But when you acknowledge yeah. Yeah. with the, those you sit among, yeah. I have all, all I have only because I know God. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. So true. Abraham wasn't afraid of success. Right Tell us. Right. Moses wasn't afraid of success. Right. David wasn't afraid of success. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. I could go on and on and on. Matthew wasn't afraid of success. The fishermen were not afraid of success. We're going to talk about all these today. Are you ready? I hope to break some things in us today, you and in me, and in those who are listening today. Those who wouldn't normally listen, and some of you that are listening are going to tell other people to listen for many reasons. One, because you're thinking, man, I can't believe that guy said that. I want this person to hear it. Please send this to everybody you want to. And if they struggle with it, have them give me a call. I'm happy to talk to them about it. Because believe me, the kingdom of God increases not because we are a people of nothing, but because we are a people of something. Is anybody hearing me? So why in the church? Again, what does business have to do with the church? Why is money and business offensive to so many? Why is this message that I'm preaching today? Why? Why? Is it so important in today's church? Uh, Many believers get offended when money is discussed in church. Why? Was Christ offended by money in his church? Was he? Was Christ offended by money in the church? I'm going to show you some things that Christ did. You probably didn't even know he did. In fact, one of the things that he did, I, I might even start doing. I hope I do more than one thing that he did, but track with me. For the kingdom of God to grow and to reach into Jerusalem, Judea, and into every part of the world, it takes more than faith. Say that with me. For the kingdom of God to grow, God to grow. It, takes it takes more than faith. Jesus Christ did not build his kingdom on faith alone, he required resources. I'm going to show you that in the very Bible that you lay hold of in your lap or on your phone or wherever it is today. And we're going to begin with Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. I'm going to process and go through these points today slowly and deliberately because I want you to get what it is I'm trying to teach today. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18 says this, says, "'You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth.'" Well, that's First Testament. Okay, then throw out. If you're going to throw this out, throw everything out. If the First Testament is invalid, so is the Second. You cannot throw out the prophecies of Christ that are found in the First Testament and lay hold to the Christ in the Second. Deuteronomy 8, 18, you shall remember the Lord your God. Everybody say, it is He. Who gives you, power to get he gives you power to get wealth? Now, why would he do that? That he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is today gave you power to get wealth so that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to His fathers. There's a lot to this covenant, but I'm going to tell you right now, it is one of blessing. Deuteronomy 20, it is one of blessing over and over and over again. So, does Yahweh do anything without reason? No, He does not. He gave you power to get wealth because wealth positions us In places of authority, point one. I hope you're writing these things down or following along in your notes. He gave us power to get wealth because wealth positions us, one, in places of authority, two. Wealth, this is important that you get this. Wealth removes our dependence on unrighteousness. When you have nothing, you depend on everybody and anybody else to provide for you. You financed your car, it's not yours. Your house, it's not yours. Now, I'm not saying it's not good, it's not okay to do any of those things. I'm just making a point. Just bear with me. You finance it, it's not yours. You live in it. In fact, the dirt you live on, it will never be yours. You only own down about five feet. The government owns the rest. Everything five feet and below unless you signed up for mineral rights. And I doubt anybody in this room applied for mineral rights on your property. Anything below five or ten feet, depending on the state you're in, doesn't even belong to you. So you can dig down to their property. track with me. Wealth removes our dependence on unrighteousness. It removes us. It enables you to become a voice. I'm going to tell you, nobody is listening to the guy at zero. I remember a time, I'm not going to tell you who, Two people. (laughs) Don't assume you know. You have no idea. You don't even know what the story is I'm going to tell. But I'm thankful. When I I told you growing up some stories about growing up and and when I was a kid and I made a decision, I'm not going to be, I will not be poor. And I wasn't serving God. And I didn't know what not being poor meant. Other than not being poor. Not being the guy that's always wondering where's the next dollar coming from. I'm telling you, under the sound of my voice, there's a lot of people. You don't even know where the next nickel's coming from. In fact, when you walk out of this room and you get home today, you're hoping that your door's not locked with a sign on it. Some of you. I hope that's not true. But there's some, I'm sure, listening. Not sure when that might happen. But growing up, I I didn't want to be poor. So when I was 12 years old, I got a job at NW Restaurant. First job I ever got, 12 years old. Every day, the school bus would drop me off for 30 minutes, and I'd sweep the parking lot every day because I wanted money. Uh, everybody around me talked about what they lacked. I loved my, my folks. I love my dad. I love my parents, my stepmother, everybody around me. I loved them. But I'm going to tell you, I heard a lot about lack. It's where they were. That's all they knew to talk about. I'm not being disrespectful. If they're watching, right? If my, anybody in my family is watching right now, I'm not meaning this to be disrespectful. Disrespectful. I'm just telling you. I heard a lot about lack. And I remember one time when my family took us, took me to a restaurant called Ponderosa. I'm going to tell this as quick as I can. Y'all remember Ponderosa? Took me to a restaurant called Ponderosa, and all the way to that restaurant, all I heard. And I'm a kid. I'm a kid. I'm a kid. But all I heard was, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? All the way to the restaurant. I'll never forget. I can still see it as though it happened this morning. I was sitting in the back of that green LeSabre that was brand new. They had just bought. Buick saber. Yeah, couldn't afford anything. I remember being told when I wanted to play football, son, you can't play football because you're too small, and if you get broke, we can't afford to fix you. And all I wanted to do was play football. So I got to play baseball instead. (laughs) When we get to that Ponderosa restaurant, we're going through the line, and we get up there to the front, and I was asked, what would you like for dinner? And I said, I don't want anything. I'm not hungry. And then, what do you want? I don't want anything. Why don't you want anything? Because you can't afford it. I said to my dad. It wasn't good. (laughs) I was hungry. I did want to eat. But I didn't want them to have nothing. I believe when God breathed into my lungs, when I was in my mother's womb, I believe he put something in me that had a desire to not be the guy. There was always the beggar. Even if at that age, obviously, I couldn't understand that. And I said, I don't want anything, and it was not good. And I was made to eat something, and I was glad I was made to eat something. But I was sad that getting there to spend more money was full of conversation about how much money we didn't have to spend. Couldn't even enjoy dinner. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you, I'm going to tell you today, if you will stop that, I'm told you I'm going on this. This is a teaching. I'm just teaching. Some of you already today, you can you can barely pay your electric bill, and you're already thinking about what restaurant you're going to eat at this afternoon. Can you give me the wisdom in that? That's the fastest way to never becoming a testimony. So when we left there, I thought, I'm going to do something. And I got a job. I said, I want to get a job. My dad agreed I could get a job. And I went to work at NW Restaurant. My brother worked there, and he knew the owner. And the owner said, I'll hire you. 30 minutes a day, the school bus can drop you off. You can clean the parking lot, sweep it up. They wouldn't have blowers back then. You can sweep up the parking lot with a push broom, pick up all the trash. 30 minutes a day, I'll pay you. I don't even, again, I've told you this before. I don't know why. But he paid me $13.10 a week. I think it, that odd number just made me feel like I was getting more. 30 minutes a day, five days a week, and then on Saturday I would go up there in the evening and I would clean everything up, and I don't remember how long I spent, but I would clean it up, got $13.10 a week, and I remember when I saved my first $100. I had $100 in my little Bob Evans blue bank. I still had that blue bank in my office. Little Bob Evans blue bank had a little bit tiny padlock on it with a little flag, and I would drop that money into that thing. He paid me cash. And I put that in there, I saved my first $100, and I went to my dad, and I said, I want to open a bank account. My dad said, okay. He took me down to Dort Federal Credit Union. And I opened up my first bank account. And I opened up that bank account, and every week I'd put my $13 in, or whatever I put in there. I didn't pay tithe back then, I didn't know. But I put my money in there. I wonder what it would have been had I been faithful over the tithe and the offering. And I put that money in there, and I grew that money. And then when I turned 18 years old, I said to myself, there will never be a day that I'm not investing in Steve. There'll never be a month in my life that I'm not investing in Steve Parker. I don't know what my future's going to look like. I don't know who my wife will be if I'll ever marry. I don't know if I'll have kids or grandkids. I don't know if I'll ever have a home. I don't know any of that. All I know is Steve will not be zero. As soon as I turned 18, I got that investment account with 20th Century. My first account, put some money in, my first mutual fund. Started sending them $25 a month, every month. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. But it wasn't zero. And I watched that grow. And I was excited about what it became. And I'm really excited about what it's become today. And I'm not at zero. And I'll never be at zero. Because with everything that we get, everything I receive, I honor the Father with it. And because I don't have a zero mindset. And I met my wife, we did the same thing. Raised our kids, we taught them the same thing. All of my kids invest in a 401K, all of them, with their jobs, every single one of them. Why do they do that? Because they're not zero kids. This isn't judgment. This is an awakening. So wealth removes our dependence on unrighteousness. It takes us out of requiring someone else to provide for us. You know what? There's times in our lives when we're naked and we need to be clothed. We're hungry. We need to be fed. We're cold. We need to be warmed up. We're in some kind of prison, which many are in right now. You're in this financial prison. And you need to be set free. You need to be visited. I'm visiting you today. And so is the Holy Ghost. There comes a time in our lives we might find ourselves in those places. But those places are not what our lives are meant to be. So let's begin today and let's talk about what business and what finance looks like in the church and let's consider first Christ as an example of money and business in the church. I'm going to show you some things about him that are very interesting. First of all let me ask you this question. Could Jesus have changed the world without money? I'm just asking. Everybody tell me. I know you think it's a trick question. It's not. Could he have changed the world without money? Not possible. If he could have he would have. He did not change the world minus money. He changed the world with it. Money is the currency of the earth and it is with money that kingdoms grow. You do not grow kingdoms. In this case, we're talking about the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter what kind of kingdom it is. But in this case, we're talking about the kingdom of God. You do not grow the kingdom without finance. And let me take make it a little personal. You do not grow your kingdom Without finance. Some under the sound of my voice wonder why, aren't, why am I not getting there? Why can I not get past this? Why can't I get past that? Come on, come on. Are you a spender right. or are you an investor? Mm-hmm. Matthew 13, 55 says this. It says this about Christ. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph Simon and Judas, is not this the carpenter? That word carpenter in the Greek, that word is tect which means one who builds out of something. We don't actually know whether he built chairs. What we know is he was a craftsman. He could have built, he could have been a mason, a, a, a mason, he could have been, he could have worked with metal. We don't really know. What we do know is that he was One who built things out of something. He could have been all of those. That's what we know. The Greek word is text. One who who builds something, builds out of something. He was a builder. What is the significance of Jesus Christ being a builder? Because this is what you need to know this morning. Before Jesus Christ started saving the world, listen to me. This is probably what you have never considered. But before he started saving the world, he was a businessman. Before he turned that water into wine, when he woke up that morning, what was Jesus Christ? He was a businessman. He was a businessman or a craftsman until... He was 30 years old. Before then, he was his father's apprentice at an early age. His father taught him the trade. We don't know when Joseph passed. We don't know what happened to Joseph. We don't know at what point that occurred. What we do know is that in the absence of his father, it fell on Jesus Christ to run the family business. So what did he do with that business when he began his ministry? Now, I know. For some, I know, you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, where are you getting all of this thing? Because the kingdom of God, if it is anything, it is practical. it It is not bells and whistles. It is not looking through a kaleidoscope trying to figure out which color goes where. The kingdom of God, if it is anything, it is practical. It is engaging and it is practical and it is simple for no matter what age hears the message, it has the same ability to change the hearer. So, what did he do with the business when he began his ministry? I am certain of this. He didn't close shop. His mama still had to be taken care of. She still had taxes to pay. I'll tell you what I believe he did with that business. I don't know, but I can tell you what he didn't do. He didn't give it away. See, there's a lot of ministers today that they'll walk away from their livelihood. They'll walk away from what they're anointed to do. They'll walk away from what they're gifted to do. There's a lot of people standing in the pulpit today. They'll walk away from all of that what produced so well for them and they'll give it away they'll give away everything to go into ministry when was that ever asked for is anybody hearing me today i can tell you that when i got into ministry guess what i didn't do stop investing My wife have owned an LLC for 30 years called P5 Concepts. You know why? Because my mind is always open. My ear is always open. Yahweh, the kingdom of God is ever increasing. And I want to be a part of its increase. Anybody hearing me this morning? Anybody in here want to be a part of its increase? Some of you right now are thinking, I just want to be a part of my own increase. There's a pathway. So Jesus wasn't just the savior, savior of humanity. He was also a businessman. The majority of his life, in fact, three years in ministry, 30 years in business. It could be argued this way. He learned how to deal with people by making transactions. He bought, he sold, he traded, and he bargained in the marketplace. Look at my chair. Look at my bricks. Look at my metalworks. Whatever it might have been that he actually did. Look at what we did at our shop. This happened in the shop of Joseph. I was trained by the very best. Let's bargain. Let's talk. I'll give you this if you'll give me that. Which leads later to you repent and I'll change your life. I wonder where he got his parables from. I wonder if... One day he's in the shop and he's working on all of his things and he's doing his things and he's keeping the business going so that it could provide for his mother and provide for the ministry he was going to be going into because it was going to require support. I wonder if in that time that he was transacting and discussing and trading among people in the marketplace or in the shop, if this one came and told him a story, which later he used when he was teaching. said one time, I heard this. Let me tell you a parable about a story, a man I knew. He was not afraid of, nor did he refrain from doing and owning a business. Now, consider the disciples. Let's consider them. What was their part in this? Keep in mind, the church struggles with the idea that there's business in the church, there's finance in the church, that... Pastors and preachers talk about money in the church. So much of the church struggles with the idea that people in the kingdom of God should excel, should succeed, should not be at the bottom of the barrel. We'll get to that. So let's consider the disciples. In Luke chapter 8 verses 1 through 3 it reads like this. It says, Soon afterward he went on through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve disciples were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, everybody say, and Joanna, Joanna. the wife of Chazah, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others, who did what? Many others, who did what? Who did what? who provided for them out of their means. And I can tell you specifically of Joanna. Joanna's husband was the house manager, the throne manager, whatever you want to call it. He was the business manager for Herod Antipas. I want to tell you they were wealthy, wealthy people. And she was delivered and healed by Christ and she used that wealth not to say, oh, I've received Christ, honey. It's important that we're poor. Yeah, come on. How well do you think that would have gone over? And if she had even thought it in her heart, Christ would have said, what are you thinking? How am I going to get to Bethlehem? How will we purchase the food? I know. Some of you are thinking, man, you're really stretching it. And I'm really not. <laughs> you are, anyone that has a hard time believing that there was wealth in the hand of Christ is stretching the gospel themselves. Joanna was a woman of means and influence because of her husband. And then this, what about Matthew? Matthew? Matthew's wealth helped fund. Jesus went to Matthew and he said, Matthew, follow me. Matthew was a tax collector, depending on the, which gospel you're reading it in. His name was also Levi. But he was a tax collector, and Jesus went to him and he said, Matthew, follow me. I think that they, have, they depicted uh, the life of Matthew, and in fact, Joanna, but they depicted Matthew well in that show, The Chosen. I think they show very well what it might have looked like, this man that owned multiple houses, homes, Because as he collected the taxes, regardless of the fact that he was Jewish, he was collecting taxes and a portion of those taxes went to him. He was very wealthy, a very wealthy disciple. And he wasn't the only one, but very wealthy. Track with me. So his wealth, Jesus said, follow me. Do you think for a second that when Matthew began to follow Christ, he gave away his house and he gave away his money. He closed his bank accounts and he threw it out a window somewhere. I just need you to understand this with me today. Someone among us, and I realize this is a message that really digs deep. I told you that last night. I sent out a text because I wanted you to be aware. But there's some among us, well, let's just preach salvation. I am doing exactly that. And Matthew verse, chapter 9 verses 10 and 11 says, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, whom he had called, by the way, which I said a moment ago, many, many, everybody say many. many. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why? Because they're a resource. Matthew's buddies... Are wealthy just like Matthew in this kingdom expansion that I'm on, this journey that I'm on, can't be done with nothing. Somebody needs to hear what I'm talking about today. So good. So good. The hatred of money by religion goes way back, even. Here, when the Pharisees saw it, why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? Because in your church, you tell them they can have nothing while you have everything. But in my kingdom, one is as important as another. And what is good for one is good for another. This gospel is not a Jesus gospel, it is a gospel that will work in the life of every here. Peter, Andrew, James, John employed others. I told you this a couple weeks ago and likely leased their boats to others and used the funds to further the ministry of the gospel. What did they do? When Christ went to them, do you think for a second? Well, let me just ask this. Oh, boy, this is probably not going to go well. It depends on what kind of ears you have to hear. Having ears to hear... I'm asking that you hear this morning. I just wonder how many people that are comfortable in zero he would have walked up to and said, follow me, knowing that they would never produce anything except for a handout. They would never be able to bring anything to the table. They would always be taking things from the table. love me anyway so Peter Andrew James John no doubt when he came to them and he saw them on their boat I said this before but he went to them on their boat I believe this emphatically just like I do with Joanna just like I do with uh, each each of these that I've mentioned Matthew I believe that when Jesus went to that boat and he saw them and he said follow me and they got out of that boat and followed him if they had asked him what should we do with our boat now because our father owns it our father owns the business he owns the company what do we do with our portion of the company our inheritance what do we do with it and I believe that Christ's response was lease it lease that boat out and then the funds that come in will continue to finance what we're doing I'm going to tell you part of the problem with a decreasing church in the world today is that it isn't funded enough because there are too many zero happy people And not enough people that are saying, I want to invest in me and allow the glory of God to begin to teach me and show me how to become a man or a woman. Who not only increases in my mind and in my spirit and my relationship with him, but in the natural as well. I hope people are hearing me this morning. So now, I want to show you something else you maybe have never considered before. So, I want us to consider together how important it is for Christ to see our faith in action. Everybody, say this with me. Say, is it important? Ask this question with me. Say, is it important, is it important that, Christ our act- our that Christ sees our faith in action? in action? Is it important that Christ sees our faith in action? I'm going to tell you something today. This is the thing that I was telling you earlier, I might just find myself doing, and it wouldn't go over well. It wouldn't go over well and I'll tell you, you'll know why it won't go over well. As soon as I say it, I won't even have to explain it but you'll know why it won't go over well. wouldn't go over well because people will be like, what's he doing? Why is he watching? Why is he doing that? I love the gospel. I love the Bible. I love it. I love scripture because it says things so plainly and people that say, just give me the Bible. I'm just giving the Bible. So if you're mad this morning, it isn't me you're mad at. You're mad at the writers of Scripture. You can't deny my message because my message is that message. So if you're mad today, if anybody's upset or mad, I'm sure you're not. I think everybody in here is very happy because, I again, I believe that there's nobody in here that loves zero. I, we need to write a song. Zero wasn't meant for me. When I arrive there, I will flee. Now I'm stop. <laughs> so let's consider how important it is for Christ to see our faith in action. Mark twelve forty one. I just love this. I just think this is so profound. I talked about this many, many, many years ago, and, and uh, about half the people could accept it. But it says this. Mark twelve forty one says, and he. Everybody say, and he, and he. being Jesus. I need you to understand that this morning, okay? That we're talking about Jesus here. We're not talking about Steve Parker or whoever else. Let's just read it like it is. I'll, I'll read it. You just listen. Follow along. And he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people put money into the offering box. I'm going to give you a visual. This is what Jesus did. All right, church, we're going to receive the tithe and offering. Remember, we don't take anything in this house. We receive it. You bring it with a good and honest heart. We're going to receive the tithe and offering. What did that one bring? What's that one bringing? What's that one bringing? I'm not adding anything to Scripture. I'm not adding a thing. You'll see. Oh, that little widow just gave all she had mm. found in a single coin. Wow. Look at these rich rascals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They think they're giving much and they give less than anybody else. Wow. They aren't generous towards the kingdom. They're generous towards self. They think of self first. Next. What you bringing? I might do that next week. (laughs) Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I probably ought to bring clarity to this. But what are they bringing? What's that one bringing? He watched. He sat across from the bucket. And he watched what they brought. Now imagine how uncomfortable that would be. I mean, I don't even know how far across from the bucket. I mean, he could have been right beside him. That's your best? (laughs) Dude, you need to get a job. What does that say about Christ what does that say to you what does that say to those who say man that all the preacher wants to do is talk about money and he wants people to bring their money what does that say that maybe they're a lot like more like Christ than you thought Mm, depends on the attitude of the heart depends on the motivation but he sat down Jesus did and he watched what people gave what would you think if I did that How many would that make uncomfortable? Although I'm I'm sitting here thinking about it and I think I just did that this morning. I held out that little bronze receptacle in my hand, but I didn't look at what you gave. I looked at all your faces. Next week I think I'm going to have you put it in my hand. I'm going to look at it. (laughs) Then I'm going to put it in there. I'm not going to do that, so don't take me seriously. But what if I did? I'm trying to teach. Are there any good students in here today? (laughs) Jesus Christ knew what they believed by what they gave. He said, I know what she believes because she just gave everything she had. Was it everything that she actually, everything that she had? It was at least what we know about this is it was at least everything she had that day. But it wasn't everything that she had because I promise you he gave her back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So people will say, well, you know what? Wealth and prosperity is different in different places. It depends on where you're at. Cultures are different. What's wealthy in America, and I've heard this argument. People will say, you know, you talk about people doing well in America. Well, they're not going to, people aren't going to be able to, have houses in wherever, Zimbabwe, like they have in, in America. It's not about having houses in this place like the other place. Right, right. What does that land provide? Yeah, right. that's it. And in whatever land you find yourself, if you're a believer, you should be rising above the rest. Amen. If in America, you should represent the best it has to offer. Amen. Amen. If in Africa, you should represent the best it has to offer. Yeah. If in Russia, you should represent the very best it has to offer. If in Zimbabwe, you should represent the very best it has to offer. You should not be the one at the bottom looking up. No matter where you are, I believe this. You should be above and not beneath. The head and not the tail. And you should be the lender and not the borrower. The kingdom of God needs you to prosper. Did I preach this today? Am I preaching this today because I want you to be a better resource and to bring more finance? Yes. I'm not even going to act like that's not true. Because when you're doing better, the kingdom is doing better. When you prosper, the kingdom of God prospers. Christ understood this. He had no problem with business in the church. He had no problem with using the boats and leasing them out. He had no problem with letting someone run the business so that it could, his father's business so that it could produce for the kingdom. He had no problem with that. He had no problem with Joanna bringing finance that she was receiving from someone who wasn't even righteous to fund the ministry, to fund the ministry. At its very root, the tithe and offering in the 1st Testament and the 2nd Testament, at its very root, what what is the tithe and offering for? For the ever-increasing kingdom of God. Always. So as you sit there today and you hear me or you're watching online today and you are hearing me, you're saying, here's just another preacher that's asking us to bring more money, what I'm asking of you is to be faithful over your tithe and offering, to be faithful over your resources. And what I'm asking more than that is for you to believe more about yourself than you possibly do right now. I'm asking you to get out of the zero mindset. I'm asking you to rise above that. I'm asking you to be creative. I'm asking you to set yourself apart. I'm asking yourself to believe in the gifts and the anointings that God gave you so that you could prosper. That's what I'm asking you today. Be healed of the idea that this is as good as it's going to get. Be healed of that. Correct those places in you that keep you always under that zero place or at that zero place. It wasn't meant for you. Do you hear me? I'm going to address something I said earlier today, but too many believers are living a lie that says the less they have, the more they honor God. Is God honored more by your lack or your abundance? Is He honored more by us begging for bread or providing it? We were not called to visit the orphan to give them company. We were called to invite them into something miraculous. Don't leave them there. Don't leave them there. I'm going to visit the orphan because He said to visit the orphan but I'm not going to visit the orphan and leave them an orphan. I'm going to bring some glory of God to them. I'm going to bring the anointing of God to them. I'm going to bring the anointing of the kingdom of God to them. I'm going to change their life. I'm going to show them that they're not alone. If I leave an orphan, an orphan, I've failed. But if I teach an orphan, he's a son. With or without a natural father or mother, I want to tell you today, if I teach them something, I've succeeded. We weren't instructed to feed the hungry so that they could never feed themselves. We come with a message. The problem is that we don't come with much of a message today. The church world, by, by and large, does not come with a message today because they're afraid to talk about finance. They're afraid to talk about resources. And they're afraid to talk about money because they've made too many people have left the church and preachers stopped talking about it. They stopped teaching. They stopped educating. And most people have wrapped their mind around and their idea of finance around lack of knowledge, a lack of teaching. But where there is teaching, there is also understanding. We give bread to the hungry, not to leave them in that hungry place. When we hand them that bread, what we're saying to them is, I have the resources to purchase bread and to give it to you. How would you like for me to teach you how to come into the resources to purchase bread and be the provider instead of the beggar? Got to get it today. These instructions that he gave visit the orphan, clothe the hun- naked, feed the hungry were for us to teach them how to improve their lives so that they could become a resource through their talents, their entrepreneurship, and their creativity. I look around this room today, I wonder how many people how many entrepreneurs how many business people are in this room but your creativity your passion your drive to own and to be above has been suppressed because of this idea well it will look like my glory and not God's I want to tell you something if you are a believer and you truly honor the father I want to tell you his glory will show up in everything you do Proverbs 22, 7 says this. I should have read this earlier. But the rich rule over the poor and the borrower will always be slave to the lender. And we live in a nation today that has so much racism in it, so much ugliness in it, so much whatever you want to call it in it. I mean, people can't stand one another just because of the color of their skin. And it's not just that. It's because of history and it's because of past offenses and past hurts and past foolishness, yeah. man, when we can get past that, when we can rise above that and get beyond that and build one another up yeah. and stop talking about not whether or not one is a master and one is a slave. Yeah. That's right. I mean, it's irony to me that in the natural, we live in a culture in America where there's a fight over who was once a slave and who was once a master. And there's this idea that we're trying to get rid of it and instead it's becoming more and more prevalent. And the very thing that I shared a moment ago in Proverbs 22, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. I want to tell you how to stop being a slave today. Get out of the zero mindset. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. Doesn't matter what your background was. Don't hold history hostage to the present or the present hostage to history. Rise above that. I can tell you the worst slavery that ever existed is debt. There's never been a greater form of slavery than being indebted to someone else who owns you, tells you when it's due, tells you where to go, how you can use whatever you're indebted to them for. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower's slave to the lender. I'm telling you what God is doing. God's calling every single one of us under the sound of my voice. He's calling the church today to awaken, to know who you are. Business belongs in the church and church belongs in business. There is no church without business. And business exists because there is a people that rise up that are creative in their minds and they say, Father, show me how. I'm willing to take risks. Help me with this. But the church has come to believe it has so much faith it has no need of works. I talked to someone some time ago. And we were talking about some things in the kingdom. We were talking about financial issues and what have you. And their response was, and I'm just paraphrasing because it, it was a long story. But their response was, well, you know, I just feel like by having too much, you become too responsible for it and it takes your attention away from God. And I thought, I, and I don't remember exactly how I responded, but it was something like this. I can tell you that what takes my attention away from God isn't that I have too much. It's when I have too little and all I think about is how I'm going to pay the next bill. God I want to trust you but good Lord if I have to eat spaghetti one more night so again the church has come to believe it has so much faith it has no need of works what happens when we introduce works into our faith what happens when we say Holy Spirit rise up in me a creative spirit let my eyes see let me see what you wanted me to be from the very beginning. Let me see what I can do. I'm going to tell you this and I don't, believe, I don't believe for a second what I'm about to say has any lack of truth in it. I believe that every single person under the sound of my voice was created to own. You were not created to rent. You were not created to borrow. You were not created to lease from someone. You were not created to beg from anyone. Every person in the kingdom of God you were created... To own, to own, to own. I'm telling you today. You were created to lead. You were created to be at the head, not at the tail. Holy Spirit, today renew our mind so that we can think differently. Help us to occupy the marketplace.